0: You're listening to MedStarHealth DocTalk, real conversations with physician experts from around the largest healthcare system in the Maryland, D.C. region. There are approximately 16.9 million cancer survivors in the U.S. today, a number expected by the American Cancer Society to grow, in part because of improvements in cancer screening. But research has shown just two months into the pandemic, there has been an 86 to 94% drop in preventative cancer screenings nationwide. Joining us today on DocTalk is Dr. Albert Abulafia, the Medical Director of the Weinberg Cancer Institute at MedStar Franklin Square Medical Center. He also leads the Division of Orthopedic Oncology and is the Medical Director of the MedStar Health Cancer Network, I'm your host, Mike Shu. Welcome to Doc Talk, and thank you, Doctor, for being with us today. So, in that intro, we were talking about what is going on. Um, can you talk a little bit about that drop off and the reasons why?
1: Yeah. So, Mike, first of all, thank you for having me on the show today. Um, you know, in uh, February and March of last year in 2020, um, at the height of the pandemic there was really, and for good reason, a shutdown of elective health care. We shut down elective surgeries. We shut down visits to doctors that could and should be delayed at that time. And as a result, people were not coming in for screening. And frankly, it wasn't available to them. If someone wanted to get a mammogram or they wanted to get a CT scan, um, we really weren 't encouraging it. We wanted to protect patients and keep them safe and The delay of two or three months was certainly something that we thought was in everyone 's best interest, and even in retrospect, I think it was in everyone 's best interest
0: well I mean were they happening at all
1: I mean, Pretty much no, so you know when it went from you know a decrease of ninety four percent you know there was some screening going on, but on a very small level,
0: just for the absolute patients who for one reason or another really needed it to happen
1: yeah, and when we talk about screening it 's interesting because you 're right, we do have to stratify things, and what I mean by stratify is first to define what is cancer screening, so cancer screening means doing a test or a diagnostic or an evaluation of someone who doesn't have any symptoms. So for someone who had a symptom, a woman found a new lump in her breast, someone felt the mass was having shortness of breath, those are people with symptoms. And we never encourage those people not to get treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, We're talking about people who had no symptoms. And then within the category of people who had no symptoms, you have to think of sort of low risk or intermediate risk, people um, who maybe don't have a family history, who don't have um, a certain hereditary condition that predispose them. So we think of those people's average risk. And those people waiting two or three months was certainly encouraged. Probably the small percentage of people who were getting tested were people who for one reason or another were in a higher risk category.
0: So with this, I'm sure some people were well aware that they had missed their screening and they wanted it. Uh, Have those people made their way back into
1: the system? So it's also a great question because a lot of them have. um, And this isn't just uh, national data across the United States, but even internationally. So sort of the first group that we wanted to get in, other than the high-risk group, were people who were already scheduled who missed their appointments. And, you know, there's a lot of women who are scheduled to get mammograms. Um, we did some things a little bit differently, like colorectal cancer screening. We um, started encouraging more at-home testing, Um And so those groups of patients were appropriately cared for. And we did get back a good number of patients who were already scheduled to come in for their screening and got back on the screening schedule once we were able to provide a safe environment for them. Well, is that a case where you, you
0: know, we have been told about the dangers of the virus and people were afraid to go into hospitals? And early on, Yeah, rightly so. When we really didn't know how it was being spread. And now we have much better idea and, you know, with vaccines and the rollout. But um, are there steps being taken to try to reach the people who still do fear coming into an institution, whether that fear is based in reality or not?
1: Yeah, so you're right. Again, it's a matter of education and it's a dialogue and an exchange. And what's important is the people who are coming back tend to be those that are maybe a little more medically savvy, a little more sophisticated, maybe a different socioeconomic status. We know that the people more adversely affected by this have been people um, in a less privileged socioeconomic position people of color people who for whatever reason are um, don't have good insurance opportunities and the pandemic has affected that patient population more so more unemployment loss of insurance things like that so we are trying to target getting back that patient population even more so
0: so when you know screening is done to be preventive I imagine to figure out exactly what someone has i mean are are you seeing people because of that delay have there been effects to i guess how sick people are when they they finally do come in
1: yeah so unfortunately we're seeing patients who are delaying treatment who are asymptomatic and now become symptomatic, and even the ones that become symptomatic, we're seeing later stage of disease. So it's not that's un- uncommon. That's so unfortunate, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrible. I mean, it's not uncommon now that we see people who are saying they've had symptoms for a mm-hmm. year, whether it's a breast lump, whether it's um, you know symptoms from uh, colon cancer, or. Other, particularly lung cancers, coming in at a much later stage. Are, are there numbers yet on that? No, we do know that the numbers in terms of screening have come up very dramatically. So the majority of people are coming in to get their screens. We're still losing about 10 15% lag behind. But um, we've recovered some of the screening uh, pretty substantially. But there aren't any numbers yet on the number of incidents or mortality... No, we expect there's probably going to be about 10,000 additional deaths over the course of 10 years as a result of just the delay in cancer screening. 10,000? Yeah.
0: That's, so, that's a, such a shame because the technology is there, but the mechanics of delivering it were paused around the world and... That's a
1: shame. And and that 10,000 is worldwide? No, that's just in the United States over 10 years just from screening. That doesn't count the number of patients that delay treatment who are, you know, symptomatic for one reason or another. Um, So what is is your message to folks who may be hearing this that, uh, um,
0: you know, about screening that they need to what do they need to do?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I would say first, everything's a dialogue. You know, it's sort of like the situation about convincing people to get vaccinated. I think it's a dialogue because those that are reluctant, you need to understand why, what the the fear is, and how to engage those people. I'd say the same is true for those who have delayed their cancer screening. I'm 100% in favor of cancer screening. We know it. The mortality rate from screening for just breast cancer has decreased 20%. Mm -hmm. When you think of the number of uh, people with breast cancer, it's a huge, huge, huge uh, impact. So I think we know the impact. How do we best deliver the message of getting people who are reluctant to get screened or come to the hospital? And then also to talk about alternatives for colorectal cancer, instead of having to come in for a colonoscopy or a physical exam, there are at-home kits that for average risk patients is perfectly acceptable. And, you know, it's one of the good things. We've learned to do some things different, um, whether it's telehealth because of the pandemic. We've learned to be able to accommodate some cancer screening as a result of the pandemic in a more effective way. So
0: with this, um, is it safe? Let me put you right on the spot. Yeah. Is it safe for people already at risk for COVID-19 to venture out and to come to an institution to get screened?
1: So I would say the short answer is yes. Um, The more nuanced answer is, one, you should get vaccinated. It'll make it even safer. Wear a mask when you're in the building makes it even safer and have the people next to you in the building and everyone in the building is masked 100% of the time. So I would say yes, yes, and yes.
0: The benefits far
1: outweigh the
0: risks in your mind.
1: Unquestionably. Unequivocally. So
0: you talk about these 10,000 people um, over the course of uh, 10 years to um, have developed more serious cancers because of the lack of screening. I mean, that damage seems pretty devastating. It, it, how much of that can be undone or.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it depends which cancers, you know, for slow growing cancers, I think those people be. And slow growing are which ones? Well, you can't say, you know, <laughs> you can have a breast cancer that's slow or fast growing. You can have a colon cancer that's slow or fast growing. Um, so it it varies but um i think for those patients with slow growing cancers you know having a short delay obviously we've never studied it you know we don't take one group of patients and say okay we're not going to do screening in you and we are going to do screening in others but we think that a matter of a couple of months probably doesn't have the same impact as something that's you know much longer right so with this for you um,
0: what is the most concerning thing, um, and, and what is it important for people to know now?
1: Um, I'd say it's important to realize that cancer screening works. It's effective. It saves lives. It's simple. It's easy. It's covered by insurance, and it can be done safely. Um, I would say that's the take-home message on every aspect. And then I'd say that we as providers need to be respectful and understanding of what fears and apprehensions people have. I'd say the biggest apprehension and fear isn't fear of getting COVID. It's fear of finding out something's wrong. And I don't, I mean, it's a topic I'm very sensitive to without going into a personal story, but I think people don't want to look for bad news. And so it's easier not to go and get cancer screened and feel like you don't have cancer, than to get screened for cancer and find out that maybe you need an additional test.
0: So you, you run into that all the time. It's hard to be brave.
1: Absolutely, all the time.
0: Right, um, but it it's sort of it's so counterproductive if the early, the screening can make you better, but you fear the treatment or you fear yeah
1: if you're finding out bad news you know it's sort of the ostrich uh, the bearing your head in the sand syndrome you know if you don't know it it can't be bad
0: wow that's that that's yeah i understand what else can
1: folks do to re-
0: reduce their risks of cancer
1: well you know it's interesting there's probably more written about that a lot anecdotal um, by A lot of people are very smart and knowledgeable. We talk about some things we know that reduce cancer risk and some things we don't know as well. You know, I'll use just as an example, you know, healthy lifestyle. You know, people think that vegetables help. But you can read a thousand different things about diet and exercise. We do think maintaining a healthy lifestyle, diet, exercise, being lean rather than obese, are helpful. We know that the number one preventable cause of cancer is smoking and tobacco use. Other things are staying out of the sun, getting sunburned, using protective screen. Um, And then, you know, I ran into the word screen, you know, getting vaccinated HPV vaccine at a young age to prevent cervical cancer and some other cancers so I think those are the things that are well established I think you know you read and you can pick and choose some things you know people always ask me about well what about drinking and uh, we think that or we know that excessive drinking is not a good thing but having a glass of wine or something on uh, moderate basis or infrequent basis is perfectly reasonable. And there's actually some data to suggest a glass of wine a day might be preventive and beneficial. So I think the take home message is everything in moderation.
0: It's fascinating to hear you say that because in talking to different doctors on this podcast, you know, doc talk with MedStar Health, it cross disciplinary, everybody comes back to the same thing. Like, Hey, if you smoke, you should give that up and if you're obese you should probably lose some weight and your diet does matter and if you're sedentary just do something you don't have to go out and be an olympic athlete but five minutes a day may lead to 10 minutes a day which may lead to 20 which is kind of what you ought to be doing anyway when it's all journey we're here for it's all long haul (laughs) you know and so People get impatient so they don't do anything because they feel trapped. At least that's to me. But it's fascinating for me to hear you that the the best thing you can do for cancer prevention is try to live a life that is kind of lean, mean, and clean.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good way of putting it. You know, people will sometimes go, well, my, you know, sister did this, 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 and this, and she was perfect, and she, you know, was on this diet her whole life and got cancer. You know, it's... It doesn't guarantee you of not getting sick, of not getting a cancer, but I think it certainly minimizes your risk, especially with uh, tobacco use.
0: Yeah, by now we know. You know, My, and, m- and- you know back to days where people smoked cigarettes because it was healthy or it was thought to be healthy, was, that's that's of a different generation.
1: Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. I grew up in that era, so I, I recognize, and it was glamorized and it mm-hmm. was made to make you seem sophisticated and a certain class and everything else now I think it 's so discouraged among every group
0: yeah, fascinating um so give us the the final pitch for what uh, if people have put it off or if they 're thinking about it
1: yeah, I would say you know for me, it really is a no brainer now is the time if you haven 't had your scheduled cancer screening, you should do it it 's uh simple, easy, effective. And, you know, we know we save lives. So this is a matter of life and death, as profound as that sounds. And, you know, at the risk of sounding exaggerating, but, you know, we all know people who have gotten screened that sure. have made all the difference in the world
0: and that institutions are back up running fully. People are welcome. You can get appointments.
1: Absolutely. There's really no barrier at this point anymore, and we actually even have people help navigate it with you. So, for instance, with lung screening, it's not just coming in, getting the test, and going home. It's a little bit of education if you wanted. It's smoking cessation programs if you wanted. And, again, it's another example of how COVID did make something a little bit better. You can do that from the comfort of your home or from anywhere, you have an internet connection with the cell phone, so you can be sitting in the parking lot at your job and have your smoking cessation class for 30 minutes in the parking.
0: Awesome. Good. That's a good thing to to end on. Uh, We've been talking with Dr. Albert uh, Abulafia with the MedStar Health Cancer Network Institute. Thank you for sharing your expertise with us, doctor. Now to learn more about preventative cancer screenings, go to
1: medstarhealth.org backslash screenings.